All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Isaiah 64, verse 6. Welcome to Canaan Bound Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey. Canaan Bound Podcast features devotional segments by pastors serving in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, along with church history, mission news, and music by various Christian artists who support our teaching. I'm Philip Wells, and this is episode number 101. We begin today with a Bible truth. Bible truths. Question number four. How are we saved? We are saved only by the grace of God. God saved us by himself. There is nothing we can do. God's plan was to send a substitute for us to take away all our sins. This substitute would have to be human like us, die like us, and be raised from the dead so that we too can be raised from our death to be with him in heaven. God did this by sending Jesus. There is nothing more to do. God's plan has been completed. Many do not believe this and think that they need to earn their way to heaven. Unfortunately, this may lead to the belief that they must do good works or just be a good person in order to be saved. Thinking you have to be good or do good deeds to earn heaven is a complete rejection of God's free gift of salvation. If you received a gift from someone who loves you, Do you ask if you can give them some money to help pay for it? Absolutely not, because then it would not be a gift. It is offensive to God if we think our good works help us gain the eternal life that God has already purchased through the death of Jesus on the cross. All our righteous works, no matter how good we think they are, are like filthy rags to God and cannot be measured with what Jesus did for us on the cross. Christians believe that salvation is God's free gift joyfully do good works, and follow God's commands as their way of thanking God. They trust that God alone has saved us. Therefore we thank him through regularly hearing and reading his word, treasuring his sacraments, and sharing his word. We thank God that he doesn't require us to earn our way to heaven, that we would never be able to know if we had done enough. What joy Christians have in Jesus, who completely paid for all our sins and alone earned our ticket, free of charge, to heaven when we die. God's word on how we are saved from the NIV. Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 15 and 21. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. John chapter 1 verse 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live 
when you followed the ways of this world and of the rulers of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And it, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Romans chapter 5 verse 18 Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all the people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. Matthew chapter 20 verses 1 through 16 The parable of the workers in the vineyard For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again around noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? And so the last will be first, and the first will be last. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And now we listen to Lord You Love the Cheerful Giver by Coin A from their album Visit. Lord, you love the cheerful giver who with open heart and hand blesses freely as a river that refreshes all the Great to 
Pastor Tom Barthel brings us a Canaan-bound devotion. Genesis 22, 6-8 Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father! Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. That's Genesis 22, 6-8. We return to a scene we left a few months back. Abraham had risen early in the morning to carry out the Lord's command for him. He was going to offer up his son Isaac as a sacrifice. We are told that the Lord does this to test Abraham. But Abraham has no idea that this is a test from the Lord. He is ready and willing to carry out the clear command of the Lord. Abraham leaves behind his two servants and now piles on top of his son the very same wood that would be used for offering up the sacrifice. Here we have another confession of Abraham. He confessed to his servants something which showed he believed God would indeed raise his son Isaac back to life after he had offered him up and killed him. But now Abraham gets to make his confession as he speaks to his son alone. How could he bear to let Isaac know what he intended to offer? 
and what he intended to do. Isaac's question is legitimate. Abraham's answer is something which shows us his mindset. God himself will provide the lamb for the offering. He didn't say the last part. He gave me you. You are going to be the offering. How true that statement ended up. His confession of faith and trust in the Lord, who had provided so much for him, shows he acted still by faith. God had done everything for him. God would continue to carry out his promises. How can we escape the parallel to God's own son carrying the wood upon which he would be sacrificed as a lamb? God did provide the sacrifice. In this very same location, the father was there as he watched his son 2,000 years later on that same mount. The father provided the substitute, not just for Isaac, but for us all. When life gets difficult, when following the Lord's command is hard for you, when putting God above all things means doing the unimaginable and most difficult sacrifice in your life, remember, God has provided his son. Your acts of worship and your life of service and living sacrifice are made possible because he provided the one needed sacrifice for us all in his son. The two walk on together. No further questions arise. The Lord will provide. That is enough to go on and offer up any sacrifice. Remember his promised rest. And now we join Pastor Timothy Smith with God's Word for You. God's Word for You, Job 34. We'll do the first nine verses today, I think. Then Elihu said, Hear my words, you wise men. Listen to me, you men of learning. For the ear tests words as the tongue tastes food. Let us discern for ourselves what is right. Let us learn together what is good. If chapter 33 was the high point of Elihu's speeches, I think chapter 34 is the low point. Job's youngest friend wants to portray himself as very wise, quoting Job himself for an analogy about true wisdom. But Elihu is going to soar beyond anything else Job has actually spoken, and so his comments become nothing more than false accusations. He places himself into the same category as the men who testify against Jesus in Mark 14 when he says, let us learn, let us discern. He isn't talking to Job's other's friends with whom he was angry, nor is he talking with Job for the same reason. So he's just pontificating. He's like a would-be super detective pacing back and forth at a crime scene with a ridiculous pipe between his teeth pretending to know what he's talking about. We should pay no more attention to him than we do to the rich fool. His deductions are present in the Bible to warn us about the folly of false wisdom. Now, God's going to speak soon enough in the book, but let's take a look at some of Elihu's words and find out what's wrong with them. Verses 5 to 9. Job says, I am innocent, but God denies me justice. Although I am right, I am considered a liar. Although I am guiltless, his arrows inflict an incurable wound. He is going back to chapter 12, verses 7 and following. Is there anyone like Job who drinks scorn like water? He keeps company with evildoers. He he associates with the wicked, for he says there is no profit in trying to please God. Well, to begin with, Job's quote in verses 5 and 6 are really not found in the book. Elihu is making this up. He's coming close to something that was said earlier, but it's not really. 
Even if he thought this was a logical conclusion based on where Job's argument was going, he's still wrong to claim that Job said it. Stopping short of saying something is not the same as saying it. In verse 9, Elihu tries to accuse Job of thinking that there was never any profit or benefit in trying to please God. If this were true, we would certainly not have seen Job making sacrifices on behalf of his children at the beginning of the book. In fact, we could make an even stronger statement about verse 9. Elihu uses a very specialized word for prophet here, a rare word, Hebrew kasan, which is used only nine times in the Bible, and six of these are in Job. Of them, only five use the form of the word that use the form of the word that means prophet or to be benefit or useful, and none of these was spoken by Job. In Job fifteen three, Eliphaz accused Job of being full of hot air and having speeches of no value. Yixon. In twenty two two, Eliphaz used the word twice to question whether a man could benefit God. Yixon or if even a wise man could benefit God, Yixon. Finally, in a later speech by Elihu, Job's arrogant young friend will even accuse Job of asking where he gains or profits, Yixon, by not sinning. That's in chapter 35. Now, we know that we aren't sinless, but we know that we will profit everything, eternal life, through the work of Jesus Christ. We live to please him and to thank him, because through him, through Jesus, We have forgiveness and everlasting life. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. And now, Pastor Aaron Nitz invites us to take a moment with the Master. Welcome. I'm glad you were able to join us today. The portion of God's Word that I'd like to look at is from Matthew chapter 12, verses 13 through 15. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me as judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Do you enjoy being interrupted? I'm guessing most of us don't really enjoy being interrupted. In this text, Jesus was teaching the people eternal things, and then someone in the crowd spoke out, What was it that was so important? He wanted Jesus to help him make sure that he got his fair share of stuff. What does Jesus say? Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Ouch. Did this man need to hear that? What about you and I? Do we need to hear that warning from Jesus? Do we think we need something more than what Jesus has already given us? Is stuff more important to us than the eternal things that Jesus gives? Do we think we need Jesus plus something? Jesus' warning is for you and me too. But notice what Jesus said. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So, in what does life consist? Remember how Jesus answered the devil's temptation in the desert? Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus has effectively made greed of every kind simply downright ridiculous. How so? If we are greedy, we're failing to grasp the beauty of what God tells us in his word. If we're greedy, we think we need something else in life in order to be happy, in order to be successful, in order to give life more meaning. 
But if we think that we're not fully grasping the gospel, think about what the gospel is. The gospel tells us that Christ lived and died for us, that with his blood Christ bought us, that we're God's dearly loved children, that we've got something far more awesome than what, than what we could ever imagine awaiting us in heaven. In short, in Christ we already have everything we need. What more could we possibly want? Thank you, Jesus, for freeing us from greed. Amen. We end our time together this week by listening to The Song of Simeon by Koine. Canaanbound Podcast, episode number 101. This podcast was first shared in April of 2015. We would like to thank Koine for allowing us to share their music with you this week. You can find links to Koine's music, as well as the other artists featured on this show, at CanaanboundPodcast.com. CanaanboundPodcast.com also contains a list of Bible references from the show, as well as past episodes. Once again, my name is Philip Wells. It was a privilege to be your host for this episode. We encourage you to visit wells.net to find a Wells ministry location near you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>